welcome to uh, episode three of uh, whatever we're calling this, Watching Watchmen Watch. I looked at other podcasts online, and everybody has stolen every version of Watching the Watchmen or Watchmen the Watching and this, that, and the other. Uh, somebody was even uh, Who Pods the Watchers or Who Pods the Watchmen. Or, I thought uh, uh, Who Watches the Watchers? Clinton can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who Watches the Watchers? Clinton can do. Allison Clinton can. <laughs> uh, I am Ken Brown, and this is Clinton Jones. Uh, and we just got off watching uh, the third episode of Damon Lindelof's and HBO's The Watchmen. Clint, first impressions, what did you think? I'm totally still sold on the show. 100% still sold? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it's opening up new avenues that I just want to go down, and I'm really enjoying it. Okay. Now, normally we don't talk about this very much before the podcast. I think I said all of one thing to you. Yeah. Uh, but your your answer interested me. And what I had said was, this was the first episode to me that I just got a complete start to finish leftover vibe. Right. And for you, you had said that that you'd been feeling that the whole time. Yeah, I guess maybe just because, uh, I don't know if it was just from knowing it's Lindelof. Mm-hmm. I just went in knowing that he had his fingers on it. So I just was kind of tuned into that already. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it was just because it was such a air of mystery to it that I just kind of felt that from the beginning. Okay. And for me, I guess it was because I've been thinking about that ever since you didn't have that reaction. I was trying to figure out why did I. Yeah. And I think it was because this is the first episode where it it almost singularly focuses on one character. Okay. Uh, which was a very leftover thing to do. It would, yeah. I would hop between characters, but you always knew this is, this is the central character that I'm following throughout this piece. Right. Um, and I guess you could make that that argument about uh, Night Sister and other things before this. Yeah. This is Clint Clint from from the future. future. Anytime Ken says Night Sister, he really means Sister Night. Sorry about that. Uh, But this one, especially with Laurie Strode coming in, played by, and that's Jean Smart, right? Uh I have the actress name correct. I always she, think that's a made-up act, like not a right? real, like it it's a character like name a stage that she name. played. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, but she comes in, and it's so strong from the beginning. Uh, and I guess we can just start going through kind of the recap and go through scene by scene. Uh, but I I wasn't sure what it was going to be like having Silk Spectre, an older version of Silk Spectre, right. and how well that was going to play or transition. And I thought right off the bat uh she and and just the writing nailed that yeah really well yeah i like that she is showing where she is in her life now and she ended up in the fbi and she's playing this role of kind of um policing the masked people now i thought that was now interesting when when you had originally read the graphic novel or or just most recently read the graphic novel um, how does how does her character register for you in the graphic novel? Because when I did my reread uh, right when this show started, I had not noticed before she's essentially a very weepy character, okay. and she doesn't have a lot of agency. She's uh-huh. just sort of responding to everything that happens around her, and it I just hadn't realized before that most of the other heroes kind of set her trajectory for her uh-huh. uh, whereas opposed to this it was it was a much stronger this is who I am this is exactly what this character is and I thought that was interesting yeah well I, I mean I haven't read it since the um, Zack Snyder version okay. so I really can't remember even what she was like okay. the only reason I kind of am familiar with what you're saying is because I'd heard someone else speaking about her character that way that mm-hmm. she 
her involvement was very little compared to now what they're giving her. Okay. So the episode opens uh, with this great little scene uh, with a vigilante that's very clearly inspired by Batman. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. uh, what uh, is uh, his name? Did they give him a name? I cannot remember. I think it was they something. Did, but it, they did, but yeah. it was something really bad, uh, <laughs> intentionally bad. Yeah. Uh, but I just it had never occurred to me. Uh, that this plot hole exists in Batman and Daredevil and any other street-level vigilante uh-huh. comic where it's just like, why wouldn't the cops just set up a scenario that would draw him in yeah. and then arrest him? <laughs> yeah, sting for Batman. Uh, yes, and he yeah. can't do anything. He's obviously a Batman character. He's not going to kill the cops. Right. And so I love how he just tries to take off running and <laughs> she takes a couple of shots. <laughs> yeah, just trusting that he has body armor on his back. That yeah, they, or like not even caring. Maybe. Not even caring. <laughs> I, yeah, that's that's the way I read that line. Yeah. Is that uh, it, it's just something where I I didn't really care if yeah. I killed him. Uh, yeah, he needed off the streets, so dead <laughs> or in jail, it didn't really matter to uh-huh. me. Uh, so so, what was your impression of of that introduction of that character to this Laurie Strode character? Well, I didn't know. I guess is that her character's name in the I, comic? It's it's Laurie Blake. No, okay. I don't. Why do I keep saying Strode? What's Laurie Strode? That's another movie right there. <laughs> Laurie uh, Strode. Laurie Strode. I don't know, but now I'm gonna have to Google that later. No, she's calling herself Laurie Blake, uh, which is interesting because um, the the comedian, uh, her father that right. she discovers in in the original graphic novel, his last name was Blake. Yeah. And so she hated him, but now she's kind of taken on that moniker of. Laurie Blake, not Laurie Strode. Is that Halloween? Your guess is as good as mine. I, I can't remember names. Laurie Strode anything. is the thing, I'm telling you. I believe you. Okay. Yeah. You got to correct me on this stuff earlier. I don't know anything. Well, just reach across and punch me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> so you're wrong. We'll let the listeners do that. Yeah. They're already. Yeah. So um, she ends Watchmen. She is... Uh, She's a she's a street level vigilante. She's come from kind of a line of yeah. vigilantes. She ends she ends the the graphic novel in a place where she's not in control. She watches these men tear each other apart. Right. Uh, did you buy where she is all these years later? Yeah, I think so. I think time passing and maybe needing to make a living some other way, and she has these skills that they can put to work. Almost like. I kind of thought of it as like a hacker who gets mm-hmm. hired by the government to then like stop other hackers. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I hadn't even I hadn't even connected that. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking about. As like, okay. oh yeah, that makes sense that she might take up this mantle. Okay. Yeah, and and I really appreciated how she just sort of uh, the the impression I had of her years away from. Uh, being a part of what she was a part of is she's kind of very bitter about it and, right. and very jaded. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was interesting. That got me uh, thinking a lot, and especially when you compare it to uh, Ozymandias right. uh, with Jeremy Irons. Yeah. That's that's a very different. He's still very clearly this latched on to guy, yeah. who he was yeah. and and what he thinks he is. Where right. she's completely rejected it, moved away from it. Other than she has like the piece of pop art in her living room and obviously we'll have to talk about what's in the briefcase later but uh she's obviously still holding on to some things yeah um so then it then it shifts to this this very interesting um well, framing I, device. I kind of can uh, sorry to back no no up. you're fine i kind of can see how she would be kind of bitter just because of like the history with her father mm-hmm. and and with dr manhattan and just all that history i feel like 
you might grow bitter over time just living in that. Yeah. You might just want to push away from that. Did you watch The Boys on Amazon? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in that way, it reminds me of, was it was it Starlight or Starfire? Uh-huh. What's, what's the main hero girl? It's yeah. that idea of somebody who comes in kind of wide-eyed and they want to do good and they have all of these intentions – but what they run into are these very corrupt and imperfect heroes. Right. That would presumably years later send you into a place where you've just given up on the whole idea that somebody can actually be uh, a vigilante hero. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so the story kind of shifts to this phone booth mm-hmm. is the best way to describe <laughs> it. And I absolutely instantly – and this was yeah. another moment where I'm like leftovers because uh, yeah. it was so weird and so – uh, just out there for me uh, for some reason, even more than the squid uh-huh. uh, because it was just such a, Hey, whoever wants to walk up and deposit some money, you can call Mars and leave a message for Dr. Manhattan. Uh-huh. And maybe he'll listen. Maybe yeah. he won't. Uh, but you know, like a put prayer in a call. booth. <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. Almost like a confessional. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that frames the entire episode in this very 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 long joke, uh-huh. which I, did I miss something? It's it's not actually a joke, right? I mean, the joke is just she's basically relaying a lot of information and what she thinks to him, almost like she's ranting to him, right? Uh, and like the comedian giving a joke that's not really meant to be a joke or uh-huh. to, to get a laugh, yeah. she's more telling a story out yeah. of it. Uh, do you have any take on what the brick represents? I don't. I don't know. I feel like that was something I wish I had rewatched it before we had spoken mm-hmm. about it because that was so spread out throughout the episode that I feel like I was trying to catch up when it come back to that part in the show. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 and I completely like lost the strain of the brick. Yeah. Because it was the very beginning of the joke, and yeah. I was like, oh yeah, okay, the the bricks part of this. So I, yeah. I couldn't. Well, and tell that was you, the really. part of the joke. She starts. She starts talking about the brick. And then she acts like she messes up that joke. And so she says, yeah, that's what threw me I'm going off. to tell another joke. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely worked on me because I completely forgot about the me brick. Too. And like the brick is meaningless. Yeah. And then it took me by surprise towards the end when the brick comes down and yeah. kills God. And so my brain has been trying to figure this one out. Um, and and it might, either, maybe that's the point of the joke is that you forget about the brick. You and, forget about the thing that takes out. Yeah. Yeah. So you, like – Kind of like a magician's trick where you oh, yeah. don't you stop following the thing that's obvious and then you completely forget about it and it comes back to the to the end of the trick and you you know what I mean? And I wonder if that's her because her her entire thing is uh, even in the the graphic novel, he's forgotten about her. He has stopped caring about her. He stopped paying her mind. She's beneath him. Yeah. I wonder if she's putting herself in that position where She's now this thing that takes out these vigilantes, these heroes. I wonder if she's She's insinuating that you've forgotten all about me, but I'm going to be the thing that comes back or something. Even if it's not that, something is going to come back and and be your undoing. Something that you haven't kept your eye on for a while is going to be your undoing. (laughs) Now, do you think they're actually going to show... Dr. Manhattan in the course of this series? Because they haven't announced a casting for him. I thought you were going to ask about a brick. They're going to show a brick. (laughs) Just a brick. I mean, they did get kind of literal at the end when the car drops in front of her. We'll talk about that in a minute. But do do you think that they're they're going to ever get to him? Didn't they show in like the first, like the preview that there was like a blue hand? Oh, did they? Yeah. 
There was like a clear, like it seemed like a clear blue hand from Dr. Manhattan, like he was on Earth. Okay. And it wasn't a shot of like the, uh, uh, the servant that's playing Dr. Manhattan in the play or anything like that? I don't think so. I feel okay. like it was in like an office or something. Oh, I could okay. be I wrong. That. Maybe you're right that it's just a reference to the play. Maybe. Now, eventually she comes in and, and she's there. Basically, she's sent to Tulsa to investigate uh, the death of Judd mm -hmm. and what all's happening there with the 7th Cavalry. And I, I love how they're using her kind of to bring all of these plot elements together. Yeah. Again, still with the understanding that it's Tulsa and and how, how climactic can something be that happens in Tulsa. <laughs> right. Uh, but that's still where it's coming to. Uh, her interaction with the characters, what was your... So now she's leaving her whatever apartment world and she's coming to small town and you've got race war and political unrest and social upheaval and all of these things. Um, how did you feel when she enters that fray? Does she come on too strong? Is she? Is I she... really, I really liked when she came into it because up to this point, um, like they, the character we we characters we've been following have been our heroes, mm -hmm. and her coming into this world is like reframing them in a different way, mm -hmm. and like making you look at like, oh yeah, they are kind of vigilantes almost yeah. in in this world. It's not really, uh, it's a little bit frowned upon. Yeah, and that scene between her and the Night Sister, yeah, uh, where they're just sort of kind of toe to toe, and Laurie Blake does this very stereotypical shakedown of the person and she's basically bluffing yeah. she's basically using what information she does have that surprises the person that she's interrogating to try to get more information out of them she does the same thing with looking glass right yeah uh, which <laughs> i gotta say favorite scene involving her is her back and forth uh -huh. with that her, and like, like take with off the that remote stupid mask. and like yes. trying to mess with it like what is this thing yeah. <laughs> she so throws him off of his game yeah. because but everything before that he's been so in control of whoever's in that room yeah uh you and could she's tell done that with everyone like, yes. in, and I, that's what i enjoyed about that and that's why by the time she gets to that confrontation with the night sister yeah uh, it's it's a the table is turned there they're almost pitted as equals yeah yeah exactly and I like that. I, I appreciated that. Okay. Uh, you can almost see, I mean, obviously they're going to have to come together at some point. Yeah. Uh, but at the moment, that opposition, uh, I thought was really well done. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Now, would you have, uh, upon somebody turning themselves into a human bomb, flipped <laughs> the corpse of your uh, most respected mentor on top of this bomb person? <laughs> I don't know if I would, but I can totally see why she did it. Like that's yeah. in her character to just like at any cost take care of what needs to be done yeah. and not thinking about, oh, yeah, this is my, one of my best friends in this box. And yep. it's just like I'm going to save all these people in this in this scenario. And she there wasn't does... a shot of the wife and children, but I really wanted a shot of the wife and children. <laughs> After the explosion. <laughs> I loved how like visceral and like gross that was yeah. too, because it was just body parts and everywhere. Like, yeah, everywhere. It's just yeah. like which is what I wanted when it was about to happen. I was like, oh, I hope they just go there and yeah. it's just a mess. <laughs> and and I like that for, for two different reasons. Just practically, one, Laurie Blake up to this point has been such a strong in control character. And this forces her, her into a position where she just is like, Yeah, that's usually bluff. They yeah. don't actually hook something up to their right. heart that so yeah. she's she's completely surprised by this and this is kind of her first official mistake 
in the course of the episode. Yeah. Uh, and the the other thing it accomplishes is it shows you just how much uh, what is I keep saying Night Sister, but what's her actual character name? <laughs> I mean, now I'm just going to think of Night Sister. That's oh, all I have in my head now. Well, it's it's also it accomplishes you get a very clear idea of how pragmatic she is mm-hmm. uh, because it's just a it's just a body. Yeah, and it's the closest thing, and it's the smartest thing that's going to take care of the danger that's posed to people that are still alive. Yeah. and in that moment, you get the sense she's not nostalgic at all. Mm-hmm. She's not, you know, beholden to. Uh, what was she's just completely in the present trying to figure out here's the problem how do I solve it yeah um, I, I, I don't, you may have said this but I, I liked also that this that event happening at the funeral kind of is what puts them on equal footing with um, what, what's her name who comes in um, Laurie or, or yeah yeah, yeah. That how that like when she <laughs> shoots the, the the bomb yeah yeah that's the kind of thing that's like okay you're not everything you've portrayed as, up until this point. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you get a little bit of that when she calls the uh, the guy that's accompanying her a fan. Yeah. And he really, I really snaps back. that scene. Yeah. And I appreciated that. Yeah. Um, even though by the end, you know, I'm still questioning whether he's just a fanboy or he actually is a. Yeah. Uh, but but that was that was a great moment too. Yeah. Where he's like, "Don't dismiss me. Don't. Yeah. Don't do that. I'm not a fanboy. Yeah. yeah. I have like a PhD. And I've been studying this stuff for years. And yeah. 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 Um, now the senator, Senator Keene. Uh, <laughs> this guy's shady, right? I mean, that's that's about as clear cut as it gets. This guy is up to something and involved in something. And yeah, I think so. And. As much as I love this show, his character keeps bringing me out of it a little bit. Thank you. Okay. That's where I was going. His accent is pretty bad. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you, is there anything about the show right now that's feeling weak? And Because that's mine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It was – I – I'm not even wondering about him. I'm like, he is he's part of the Seventh Cavalry, yeah. or he is teamed up with somebody, or he's up to this, or he's up to that. He's aiding somebody in some way. Somebody or, yeah. something somewhere. And uh, it's so one note, it it stands out from everything else. Yeah. Because everything else is working at all these different levels. But but his character and everything that's happening there, I just like Yeah. But I'm you know. yeah, I'm kind of waiting for it. Either they prove me sure. wrong or yeah. it goes in some other bizarre like direction that I'm not expecting with him. That was another thing where it really felt leftover to me. Leftovers uh, is because it, it, this was the first episode that didn't seem to care if I understood or if I knew what the pieces were or if I had answers or it was just going to do what it's going to do. Yeah. And it'll figure it out later. or It'll, it'll tell me later, but right now you just need to be confused. Yeah. Uh, When I first started watching the leftovers, it was frustrating because I didn't get that, he was intentionally trying to keep the veil up and to confuse and to confound to put you in a, a state of, of, of mind like the characters where they have no answers because the answers aren't forthcoming. And it really felt like this episode, that's exactly what was happening. Yeah. Um, which I appreciated. Now, any other weak, weak points in the story so far or was that? No, that's really the only thing that really jumps out at me. Yeah. And it's not that big of a deal. Like no. he's – in it so little really so how do you feel about the soundtrack the, I love the, the score soundtrack. and the soundtrack okay I, yeah i love everything that they've ever done um what's my name oh um atticus ross and, yeah 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 um, i always feel like they're very in tune with everything that's happening on the screen yeah. they do a very good job of pairing 
image to to sound. Trent Reznor. Uh, yes. That's his other name. Uh, even even when they're choosing a song, yeah. uh, rather than writing something original, um, it never feels quite too on the nose. Every now and then, it's like first line. Okay, I see why you picked that song. Yeah. Uh, but it always has some other interesting things that are happening there. Yeah. Now, have they worked with Lindelof before? Did they do anything with Leftovers? I don't think so. Okay. I, I mean, I, I could be wrong about that. And I, at the time, I just wasn't paying attention to the score of that show as much. But okay. um, yeah, I'm not a, I never was a Nine Inch Nails fan. Yeah. But I think every everything that I've seen them do as far as soundtrack work has been fantastic from the social network to, I think they've done some documentary work and always interesting any further clues as to what judd's up to uh or why he has a kkk uh outfit stashed in his closet or are you still just i don't know i mean it, it could be something where it's he's holding on it for nostalgia from a family member or something i don't know i, don't, I think there's a bigger <clears throat> bigger mystery to that than what the obvious thing is probably i don't know i don't know if it has something to do with keen or it has something to do with um i don't know yeah i don't know and they still i mean they made it really clear that uh former night alice is in prison somewhere Uh so i'm assuming he's going to come into play at some point i don't know if he has anything to do with the the main storyline but whichever yeah i think there's yeah i think there's something deeper to that whole mystery of judd and the kkk i don't i don't know it's been Everything else has been so elusive and kept me on my toes. I don't think that's going to be obvious. Well, and that's our very down-to-earth part of the episode. Our down-to-earth mysteries and our down-to-earth, ooh, what's happening with this very clear human being to this very clear human being? Yeah. Uh, So now, uh, scene sandwiched about two-thirds of the way through, (laughs) uh, we hop back to Ozymandias. Uh Uh-huh. This got bonkers this week. It was already bonkers (laughs) because it had clones and... And all this stuff. But this week, oh my goodness. So uh, we've got this strange game warden. Uh There's some sort of deal between the game warden and Ozymandias as to why they have some sort of relationship or territory or something. Yeah. Uh, And uh, he is sending his poor servant clones somewhere where they come back frozen and ripe for the kicking. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, all of that said, uh, how'd you react to all of that this week? I, I again, loved all that stuff. Yeah, I dude, thought it was fantastic. Yeah, and it's weird because, like, the other stuff, my brain is constantly trying to figure out, ooh, what does this mean and what's the answer and why yeah. is this happening? When we get to that, I'm just like, man, just keep going bonkers. Yeah. I'm, I'm good with it. Be bananas. Yeah. Um, if it doesn't make sense, I'm all right with it. I know eventually it will. Yeah. But, um, is he... It, another dimension another planet is he held up by dr manhattan is he dead what's what's your leading brain theory on this one i think he's in some kind of other realm and i mm-hmm. feel like isn't there a reference in the joke to being in hell like there's something about being in hell and he's maybe in his own personal hell of some sort that oh. he's sent somewhere that's what i because he in that joke she kept saying there was yeah, because the first two get sent to hell. Yeah. But, yeah, he's sent to hell. When she's talking about Dr. Manhattan, I thought that was the one where you're already there. Yeah. Or or whatever that was. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. So I was kind of thinking, I don't know, I was going back to that and it's like maybe he's in a hell too of some sort or just this dimension that's 
separated him. Like maybe his personal hell is being alone in this place and he can't achieve what he wants to achieve on earth. And it might not be a literal hell, but it just like this other dimension of some sort. And he's trying to get out of it. I don't know. Whatever it is, if it is hell, they do a lot of letter writing there. <laughs> and they do threats. <laughs> the game word is letter writing. there. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I could not get enough of that. Yeah. I, just, I found that hilarious. Yeah, I did too. Uh, I was laughing out loud I when think he's Jeremy dictating Irons the letter. Is, is fantastic. He's having one. a blast. Yeah. You can tell he's having yeah. a good time. Yeah. And it's it's nice. And you can I mean you can tell that all of the actors are really enjoying their roles. Yeah. But he's particularly having fun. Yeah. Uh just being absurd or ludicrous or, or surreal, anything else he's he's doing there. Yeah. Um Yeah, I love the uh <laughs> The letter he's writing to the game warden yeah. at the end of that is like, I'm glad you enjoyed the tomatoes. Or... <laughs> <laughs> yes. The pleasantries. You know, it was like at a strongly end. worded letter yeah. up to that point. Yeah, like, they both end with pleasantries. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed his uh, his breakdown when uh, he's whatever him. experiment he's doing doesn't work. And he just really, uh, wow. That was yeah. so funny to me. Yeah. He just kept. Losing his mind over it, and I, I'm pretty sure that's the first time he's kind of lost his cool. I think so. In yeah. the course of the series, other he's than when he gets angry to that point. Yeah, when he gets angry and uh, flips the cake, and I mean, there's just a lot there. Yeah, uh, that was very interesting. I and really also the cake there, third anniversary. So I guess it's another, whatever anniversary is every episode. Yeah. Um, so I I don't know what they're doing, but yeah. I love it. I really love the like. I don't know if it was the opening of that scene where he's constructing the space. Like the yeah. space dimensional underwater. Yeah. It, it looks like one of those old timey diving, diving suits kind of suit. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I don't know where he got those. Did he make those? <laughs> Who made this mansion? What's he living in? Right. <laughs> uh, those sort of things. That's where it, uh, I lean more towards Dr. Manhattan uh, just uh -huh. because there's such a specific construct to this world that he's living in. Yeah. But then that raises questions. Why would... Uh, Dr. Manhattan have these clones there for him. Yeah. How much control does he have? There, there's a lot there. Yeah. Or if it was something of his own making where something went wrong and he ended up in this place or like cut off from the rest of the world or. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And at this point, I think the only thing that would outright disappoint me is if it's something that like he's in a mental institution and he's just old and senile and this is all just in his mind. I would be very disappointed by yeah, that. Yeah, that would be lame. I agree. Don't do anything like that. Anything else uh, beyond that, anything where there's legitimately something happening, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. But if it's just old man losing his mind. I don't, I don't think they're going to do that. But I, I hope not. Yeah. I hope that not. Would be, that seems too lame of an idea for – it doesn't even seem faithful to the original. Yeah. It, it seems like they're trying to go stay faithful to the original and go beyond it. So I just don't think they that seems like something that they would do. But, I hope not. Yeah. Well, and that's in the original, in the graphic novel, uh, Dr. Manhattan is the only one with actual superpowers. Right. I think in the Zack Snyder film, he definitely played up Ozymandias as having super strength and some other things there. Intelligence. I, he definitely had that in the graphic novel, yeah. but I don't know if it was established that that was somehow superhuman. Uh -huh. It was certainly high above average, but... I can't. Uh, I can't recall how much of a difference Alan Moore separates him as opposed to like the Zack Snyder universe. Yeah. Because um, the Zack Snyder violence was so over the top, you almost got the sense that these people had 
different levels of superhuman strength. Right. Which yeah. definitely wasn't in the, the graphic novel yeah. as much. Yeah. It was much more grounded in the yeah. graphic novel. Yeah. Okay. So overall impression, you were happy with this episode? Yeah. Still glad this series exists? For sure. You're not offended? <laughs> offended? <laughs> There's some people online that are offended by this show. Just for existing? For existing. Yeah. As if the original Alan Moore graphic novel is so sacrosanct, it cannot be touched and should not be touched. And I just... I, I think well, the I mean, only thing... Really, I wonder if they're really like watching it or they are just going off the sheer aspect that it exists. Like maybe, maybe. they're not even watching it. And but seeing that they're actually staying very faithful to the spirit yeah. of, of the original. I would so much rather see an original adaptation that takes us almost like a sequel approach like this is. Yeah. Rather than had they just adapted the Watchmen graphic novel. When they first announced Watchmen for HBO, I was not excited. I yeah. was just kind of like, okay. Uh, as soon as I started seeing where they were going, that's where it got exciting. Because like, okay, they're interested in something new. Not just rehashing something that people are already familiar with. Yeah, that's what I always kind of want out of a sequel or something where they're not just playing the hits, but they're going beyond it and trying to explore new ideas in the same world. Well, here in a little while, we're going to be seeing Dr. Sleep, and we will find out uh, if Dr. Sleep is just interested in rehashing The Shining or if it has something interesting to say. So yeah. it'll be, it's either going to be a happy night or a sad night, kids. Or just a mediocre, like, meh. <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling that's where your brain's going to be no matter what. Probably. I mean, it's there right now, so they're yeah. going to have to really win me back. Yeah. See, I'm optimistic, and <laughs> I'll come crashing down later. I'll cry in my popcorn. You'll crash harder than me, because I'm already <laughs> halfway there. Yep. Yeah. All right. Now, did you watch the preview for next week's Watchmen? No, I did not. I don't. All right. Yeah, so I don't we're... watch them. Good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Can we talk what was in the box? <laughs> It was my favorite reveal. Really? Yeah. Uh, sure. Let's let's talk about what was in Laurie Blake's box. Uh, that was that was not what I was expecting. No, not what I was expecting. Um, you know, surface level, she's obviously still uh, in need of Doctor Manhattan on an, an emotional or physical level. Uh, both. Uh, yeah, yeah, both. And and she kind of hates herself for it. Yeah. You can tell that there's a lot of self loathing yeah. there surrounding that. Um. Yeah. What was you tell me? <laughs> well, I just she's been I carrying, blinked at the screen yeah, a lot when it happened. She was, was carrying like, oh. around this metal briefcase with okay. her, and she'd pull it out and kind of look at it once in a while. She <laughs> rushed back to her room at one point because it's like yeah, time for the briefcase. Yeah, she pulls it, and, and then, then she, she got interrupted. Yeah. She's all angry. Yeah. So <laughs> it's the towards the end of the episode, and she finally gets a chance mm -hmm. to pull it out. And she opens it. It's just a big blue dildo <laughs> vibrator. And it's like, like I don't know if it's like branded as the Dr. Manhattan. I'm pretty sure it was branded. Yeah. And she also had a magazine in there that was like of their old exploits yeah, or something. Yeah. Um, so. I, th I thought it was really funny and interesting where it, they put it, like the reveal of it. Because it was also, I think it was in the middle of her telling the joke too. So she's in the booth and she's mm -hmm. talking to Dr. Manhattan who's on Mars or like leaving the message. And so she's, that's going on while she's pulling out this like, and re like wanting to pleasure herself physically because, um, he he's on Mars, so like she still has this connection to him, yeah. and uh, then she thinks better of it and goes 
for the uh, co-worker. Flesh and blood human Flesh and being. Blood, yeah. Yeah. Not cold blue yeah. steel. I, I like when it first happened. I didn't. I laughed, but then I'm like, what? And I, I got it. It was just one of those. It was, it was such a left field. Uh, That's why I thought it was so funny. <laughs> I read about it later, and Lindelof is just like, I would have never done that. One of our female writers was just like, this has to be a thing. Uh-huh. And he was just like, seriously? Okay, then you write it. And I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Like, if we're going to do that to this character, we're going to be able to blame it on a female writer. I'm not <laughs> taking this on my burden plate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, um, it, it was, it was a, another character beat that showed that she is not all together and that yeah. she doesn't have everything figured out. She doesn't have all the answers. She's not as in control as what she appears to be to people or what, yeah. or, or the facade she tries to put on. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought it worked in a lot of levels. Yeah. Like she either misses him or she's nostalgic for that time in her life with him. And she's trying to fill that void. <laughs> now, does she, here's the bigger question. Does she want him back or does she want him back so she can kill him? I don't I never got the feeling that she wanted to kill him. Well, or, and stop I mean, him, think... contain him, kill him, whatever. Is is the brick part of that story what she's after or is the briefcase what she's after? Is she after having a connection again with this man she used to love and she's trying to I don't know if it's either of those really. Okay. It might. I think it be could be simultaneously simultaneously a bunch of different things, feeling emotions that are going on. I don't. I don't know what she could do to really take him down. I well, mean, even in the graphic novel, they're going back and forth about their relationship. She's having a really hard time with that, and that sort of gets displaced by the plot, which is, you know, oh. Um, this thing is happening. Ozymandias is is constructing this thing to bring about peace. And and that sort of takes over the narrative, the squid, yeah. uh, the trick, the ruse, instead of her relationship. Her relationship just gets left behind. And this seems to suggest that that was the end of it. And right. she never got any sort of closure yeah. because the boys went off and played hero or god or whatever else. And she's just the little girl that, that, that nobody thinks about. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure about I that. I can guarantee that this is not just a one-off episode, that these things don't mean anything or they're just there to be weird. Yeah. Uh, Lindelof never does that. No, I don't get that no. feeling at all. Yeah. So I think there'll be answers. Now, last question. Mm-hmm. The car. Yeah. <laughs> the car falls out of the sky. Um, and I, I didn't think to check whether that was the car that Will was airlifted away in. I'm pretty sure it was. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's then a flash in the sky that is orange. Yeah. Is this Dr. Manhattan from Mars? Is this a complete coincidence? It's whatever was taking the car, dropping it off, and she just happens to be there. Is it both? Well, um, at first I thought it was Mars just because it was red. But um, I don't know. Have you have you listened to the HBO official? No. no. Well, Lindelof and that, they kind of – say that it was a ship of some sort possibly so like maybe it was another um night owl ship Mm -hmm. or or something along those lines or whatever took will away okay so it might have just been a coincidence i think it it might have could have been she definitely didn't take it as a coincidence or at least that's how i read it yeah she took it as a he was responding to her call yeah um 
Now, whether that's actually what I, was I happening. I saw that on her face, but I don't know if it was actually that's what was happening. Like, maybe she took it as as that happening, but I just feel like it, I don't know. All these years later, do you think Dr. Manhattan's at a place where he is actually now a god? Is he actually influencing what happens and what people do and what people think and all of that? Can it simultaneously be a coincidence? It was part of that car subplot and will and, and whatever happened there. And at the same time, somehow being influenced by this new god that that's his way of responding to her by orchestrating events in a way that it drops a car right in front of her. I don't know. I, I keep going back to that kind of first episode where they're showing him on Mars and he looks <laughs> sad and alone up there. I, I just yeah. I don't know if he has grown beyond that or, mm-hmm. or what. I mean, I, I just don't know where, where okay. he would be. Well, and it's interesting, too, because the episode is titled She Was Killed by Space Junk. Uh-huh. And so, you know, a little bit of the brick illusion there and the fact that this car almost drops on top of her head at the end and, um, you know, falling from the sky, all those sorts of things. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm just having a grand time watching it. I I know the point of this is a little bit to have conjecture on it, but I just I really don't know where it's going and I'm enjoying it for that. I'm just taking it in and. I think that's important because I think a lot of people watch shows like this or watch this show and they get so wrapped up in the mystery of it all and, and trying to answer the questions they don't enjoy being asked the questions. Yeah. They immediately hear the question. It's like, I've got to know the answer to that. Yeah. Instead of it's a week to week show. Right. A smart creator is obviously going to extend things in a way that the intention is for you to feel a certain way as you think about it for the week so that by the time you get to the next episode – yeah, now I mean, you have a different framework than you had coming in the last time. Yeah, I like to like mysteries, especially. I mm-hmm. like to enjoy it for it being a mystery yeah. and I'm not feeling like I have to solve it right now. Yeah, I like to be able to take in the characters' performances or the actors' performances and all the other little aspects that make it up the music. And I, I don't want to try to solve the puzzle box right away. Well, and that goes back to what we had talked about on a previous podcast, just the idea of like a Netflix binge. Yeah. That's a very different experience because you're immediately hurtling to the next episode. And so it, it almost intensifies that of, oh, I'm going to get an answer. I'm going to find out what yeah. happens. And you don't have that time to just sit with the story, mm-hmm. uh, which anything else before this era, you always did, whether you're reading a book whether you were whatever, the next chapter was there. But even reading a book, you would stop at certain points and yeah. life had to intervene because a book takes so long to read. Right, yeah. Um, but it gave you space with it and it would sort of just haunt the back of your brain and then you'd come back to it and you'd be at a different place. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe sometimes you would go back and revisit or reread. Right. I love being able to just go back and watch pieces of an episode if I want to midweek yeah. uh, because the next one hasn't come yet. Yeah. So I don't know. I yeah, love I need it. to get in the habit of rewatching them just for the sheer aspect of doing this. And I can. Yeah. I, Watchmen, I've been watching at least twice. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's funny because the first time I've just got this dopey grin on my face. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you going to do next? <laughs> the second time for all three episodes has been like, all right, I see what you're doing. Now I want to understand why you're doing it. Not the answer to the question. But just like, okay, why the briefcase? Okay, why uh, are we flipping a body onto a bomb? Uh, you know, why are we having this confrontation? Why are we putting these two characters together? Why are we even seeing all of this with Jeremy Irons? Why yeah. does it matter? Uh, and that's an interesting watch because then you start to see how much 
which we haven't even really talked about. We'll do that in the future, but how much the production design and and some of the soundtrack bits and and just different things come into play there. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm really excited. Yeah. Do you know how many episodes this season is? I think it's 10, 12? No, because I think it was nine, maybe oh, really? eight or nine. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm always sure. disappointed when there's not more. Yeah. At the same time, I would much rather they go shorter and just tell the story they need to tell rather than trying to extend it. Yeah. I feel like Netflix is very guilty of extending things that mm-hmm. shouldn't be too far. Yeah, I Where agree. there's a lot of filler that, that could be cut out to just make it a little more streamlined. And mm-hmm. I'm, I feel like HBO doesn't have that problem as much. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this week. Uh, yeah. Who knows? I haven't even. I have gotten in the habit of I don't watch the preview for the next week. I don't know what the title of next week is. Yeah, I, yeah. I just immediately pull it up and what you got, Watchmen. Yeah. That's what we should call this podcast. What you got, what you got Watchmen? <laughs> I like that. What you got, Watchmen? Give it to me. <laughs> like a big blue dildo. Yeah, in a briefcase. <laughs> in a in a yeah. Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah. I'm not we'll good call with it, that. We'll Laurie's good with that, but you know what I mean. We'll call it the Big Blue Dildo Podcast. No, we won't. No, I, uh, I promise everyone we won't. <laughs> in my head, that's what it's, it's called. I'm pretty sure uh, that would kick us off of Apple Podcasts. And I don't think they would let that be a searchable. Just a hunch. Just a hunch. We'll get around it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this has been uh, the Watchmen Podcast for uh, She Was Killed by Space Junk. Uh, any any other thoughts before we go? I don't believe so. Happy time. Here comes Dr. Sleep. See y'all next time. <laughs> <laughs>